The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. The first thing I want you to think about right now is this. It's, uh, it's 5.36. I want you to pretend that the Lord's coming back at 6 o'clock. Now, I want you to really do that. I want you to think about it. I want you to pretend that the Lord's coming back at 6 o'clock. That's 24 minutes from now. <clears throat> I want you to think in your mind, I know we don't know. I mean, He may come sooner. <laughs> Amen. But I want you to pretend that He's coming back at 6 o'clock. Now, I don't know what you're dealing with right now. Personally, I know what I'm dealing with. I know the, the fears. I know the pain. I know the, the loss and sorrow. There's, there's some friends that I've lost recently. There's some physical ailments that I didn't have when I was 21 that I do have now that I'm 51. There's some times, you know, it's, it's the funniest thing. Um, I, brother Buddy, sometimes I just, I've always been a fairly upbeat kind of guy and, and brother Glenn and I get up some mornings and I'm just like I just don't feel good you know just kind of ill and down and I don't know uh, no good reason for that um, think about what's bothering you right now okay but remember the Lord's coming back at six o'clock okay now listen to what he what Paul says in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Brother Dylan prayed in his prayer, even so, Lord, come quickly. There's a, the last prayer of the Bible is, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> he says, I, actually, the Lord says, behold, I come quickly. And John said, even so, Lord, come. Now, if you're thinking in your mind like I am that the Lord, that's pretending, pretending, you know, that the Lord is coming back in about 20 minutes now. What comes up in your heart and in your mind? Is it Fear? Is it, is it, oh, Lord, just wait just a little bit longer. I, I, I've got this to do and that to do. I hope it's not that. I hope it is a confident expectation, a great desire. If I thought the Lord were coming back in about 20 minutes, all the problems that I've had, all the things that I can think of that I'm dealing with would disappear right now. You know what? I wouldn't be angry at you. Would I? <laughs> well, I hope I wouldn't. <laughs> Boy, I'd be in trouble. Now listen, let me, let me say this too. Let me, let me also preface this message a little bit further. This is not a message like you'll hear in the denominational world. 
where they try to scare you into making a decision for Christ. That's not what we're here about. You've got decisions that you make every day and not a one of them are for Christ. <laughs> okay? If the decision was yours to make, you wouldn't make it for Christ. Because in your natural state, you have need of a Savior. You're not your own Savior. You can't decide. Listen, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful the Lord didn't put on me the burden of getting myself saved for eternity. Because even if he gave me just a little part to play, you know, and that's what's taught most of the time. And I don't mean this in a critical way or, or, or a, a, uh, running anybody down. But most of the time what you'll hear in the denominational world is you've got to make some kind of decision or you've got to pray through or you've got to, uh, you've got to live in a certain way or you've got to pray the right prayer or, or accept him or do this or do that. Whatever it is that you're told that you have to do, I promise you, beloved, you can't do it. You can't get it right. You'll never be satisfied with that. I have never, I've never been satisfied with anything that I have done in this life. Think, think about this. Has there ever been a, has there ever been, let's, let's don't make it a day. Let's just, let's narrow it down to about a five minute period. Think about the best five minutes of your life. I, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, the birth of a child, maybe it's your, my wedding, you know, the wedding day. If you're married, that, that ought to be, man, that ought to be the pinnacle of your life. You know, right up there, certainly with your children being born, if you have children, man, the wedding day. Let, let me tell you about my wedding day. I've, I've still, I, I started to say I had, I've still got the best bride ever. You know, she was the perfect bride. I shouldn't have said I used to have. I still have, okay? <laughs> still my bride. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good save, wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> there wasn't any problem with the bride that day, but one thing that I remember about my wedding day, best day of my life, right? One thing I remember is that... Uh, we forgot to tell my grandmother McCool to be there in time to take pictures. So as happily as I was going along during my wedding, everything was great, everything's, then it's, oh, Mommy Coo's not here. What, so we had to run, get her, I, I don't remember, Aunt Lorraine, I think, had to get her ready, I can't remember. Anyway, so we, she got there hoodoodled, as she would say. She was all hoodoodled, boy, she was all up. So, so anyway, well then, then um, as we were, uh, Going through the ceremony, uh, one of the preachers forgot to pray or do something like that. But I'll tell you, Brother Buddy, I don't know if you felt this. I, I got so nervous in the middle of that ceremony. And, and I, I was, you know, I said I do, and I still do, by the way. Uh, and I said, uh, I sang, and I, I did a, but we, we got through the whole ceremony. And, and then a week or two later, maybe a month later, I don't know, uh, Sherry said, hey, Let's watch the wedding video. And so I said, okay. And as she put it in, I think I had PTSD. I couldn't watch the wedding video for years. I still, I still, I, I've just in the last few years gotten to where I can watch our wedding video and enjoy it. Because I was like, I started breathing fast and hyper Because the best day of my life, the best day of my life, I was not satisfied with it. Obviously. I had problems with it. Let's just narrow it down to the 
the best five minutes you can think of in your life. Are you completely satisfied with every single thing that happened in that five to ten minutes of your life? I don't think so. I can't think of a time in my life where I was completely satisfied with everything. Maybe the circumstances were just right, but I was out of sorts. Maybe I was just right, but the circumstances weren't just right. And I'll tell you something else. I've never been completely satisfied in any decision I've ever made that it was made with complete purity of heart. Now, I'll tell you, that's the one that gets me. Because no matter what it is I've done, I mentioned it this morning, no matter what it is that I've ever done, I've always had some little taint of self-interest, some little taint of sinful thought, some little taint of impurity in it. So praise God that He didn't put it on me to get myself to heaven. Praise God. If He said, okay, I've done all I can do now, the last decision's up to you, oh, I would be a miserable man in this life because I would never be satisfied that the decision I made was made with the right attitude, the sincere enough motive, and so forth. So what I'm preaching to you tonight is not a message to scare people into heaven. You know, the Lord didn't scare people into heaven. He saved people into heaven, okay? <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't, that's not the way it works. So, but what I'm talking to you about, I'm preaching to saved people, I trust, who have been born of the Spirit, and who understand there's more to life than what you see around them and are struggling and pil- as pilgrims and sojourners here in this life. And you've got problems and I've got problems and I could sit here and name all of my problems and then you could come up and put your list beside mine and it would probably it would be just as bad. You've got issues of life because you're not home yet. You're a pilgrim and a stranger. But Jesus is going to come back in 15 minutes. We're down to 15 minutes, beloved. Praise God. Wouldn't it be funny if he did? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he won't be, by the way, just because I picked the time. Most of the time when a man picks a time, you pretty much be certain that's not when it is. But anyway, into the message now. Thinking in this terms, listen to what he's writing to the Thessalonians. He says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Notice many today are seeking signs and wonders to show them the times and the seasons and trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm not going to go there, but in Matthew chapter 24, you can go and you can read that Jesus says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And uh, Luke, uh, no, Mark, I believe it is, he says even further that not even he knew what the day was. He says, Of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels, neither the Son, but the Father. So... Uh, what Paul is saying here is, is you don't have any need for me to write to you of the times and the seasons because you're not going to figure it out anyway. <laughs> don't waste your time trying to figure out the times and the seasons from the standpoint of I'm looking for this prophecy to be fulfilled or that prophecy to be fulfilled or this temple to be rebuilt or that gathering to occur or whatever it is over there. You don't have any need to be worried about these things because it's not in your, you're not going to be able to figure it out anyway. Verse 2 says, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And you don't know when that's going to be. But he gives us a little inkling about how we should be, how our attitude should be toward it. Notice he says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say peace and safety, 
Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Notice what he's saying here. He says the day of the Lord is coming and it's going to be like a thief in the night. He says it in a couple other places in Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 12. Tells us that, that if the good man of the house knew when the thief was coming, he'd be prepared. Now, i got to say, Brother Dylan, I always think about Bob Holly when I read this, okay? We all know Brother Bob. I wish he was here tonight, but, but you can tell him later. Now, I want you to think about the daily routine maybe that you're in and that sort of thing. Think about Brother Bob, daily routine. What if, what if Brother Bob and all of us, I'm not trying to pick on him particularly, knew that at 7.30 p.m. tonight, a thief was going to break into his house. Now, I hear some laughter, but we know Bob Holly. <laughs> now, I know what I would be doing, and I know Brother Bob would be breaking out the ching. He'd, be, he'd have all kinds of stuff set up. There'd be, there'd be multiple weapons available to him. He would be prepared, okay? Uh, we all would. I'm just picking on him because he's not here. But, uh, but uh, if I knew a thief was coming, if I knew there were, my daily routine would not be the same, would it? You know, one thing that would happen, and now remember, a thief is a bad thing. We're talking about a bad thing happening here. A thief's coming to break in and steal. And, uh, and, and I'm still going to be sitting, am I still going to be sitting around knowing that this thief is coming? Oh, woe is me. I've got, uh, I've got an ingrown toenail just killing me. I've got, uh, I've got uh, uh, financial troubles. You know, everything, when you know the thief is coming, Everything else pales. I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care how sick you are. I don't care how, how mad you are at your wife and how mad she is at you. Now listen, if Sherry and I were in a big argument about that time, somebody says, hey, hey, the thief's coming in 30 minutes. Hey, wait a minute. We'll take this up later. Let's get together now, okay? And we're going to be on the same page, right? <laughs> the plumbing's messed up. The, the hot water heater's gone out. Hey, Put all that aside. Let's get ready for the thief. Okay? Well, that's the way the Lord, that's the way the Lord's coming is described as a thief in the night. Now, what if you knew, what if you lived in a high crime area where somebody, you know, it's happened around here occasionally where we've had a rash of break-ins, okay? A rash of break-ins. People, you, you read about, I remember several years ago. Uh, we had a, had several break-ins down down 159 during the day. Somebody come kick the door in, and they were, and so the, the the sheriff put it out, and others put it out. Be on the lookout. Be watchful about that. You know what happened? People changed their daily routines, and they began to be focused on, hey, there might be a thief coming to kick my door in. I better be paying attention. I'm going to be on heightened alert. Okay. Again, that's a bad thing. But you know what the Lord's saying here? He's saying, let me tell you something. I'm coming back. Right. Just like a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. You don't know when I'm coming. You don't know when it might be. And, and it's not in the sense of, well, hey, don't worry about it. it, it it's going to be a while yet. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you be on heightened alert because it could happen in nine minutes. Nine minutes till six o'clock. It could happen. Now, now, what would we do differently? What would we do differently in our lives if we knew that in nine minutes the Lord was coming back? 
hey, it could happen. <laughs> it could happen in eight minutes. It could happen right now before I finish the sentence. And what he says is, you don't have to worry about the times and the seasons when you're constantly focusing upon the return of the Lord. See, he said, you don't need me to write to you about giving you prophecies. And people spend their entire careers trying to figure out when the Lord is coming back. He says, don't worry about that. You don't have any need of me to write to you for that because the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. And he says, because of that, he says in verse 4, you brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He's saying, listen, the Lord's coming is going to be like a thief in the night, but because you're not blind and you're not ignorant of what the Word of God says, that day doesn't have to overtake you like a thief. He's saying, be ready. <laughs> Notice he goes on to say, you're all the children of light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. You know what that's telling us? There's a lot of folks out there that are children of God that aren't even thinking about the Lord coming back. In fact, I'm going to share what Brother Tim shared in that message about me. Because <laughs> he was right. There's a time when I, my theme song was just wait a little longer, please Jesus. You know that song? Wait a little longer, please Jesus. I, I, want to, I really want to get graduated from college. Wait, one time, I really want to get graduated from high school. So, Lord, I want you to come back. Just wait. Just a little. Oh, I, let me get through college, Lord. I just, you know, hey, I really, I, I met a wonderful woman. I'd love to, love to marry her and have, let, let, me, let me get married and let me have some children and let me, let me just kind of get to a certain point in my life and then I'll be ready for you to come back. <laughs> well, how foolish I was. <laughs> how foolish I was. I want to tell you today, as I stand here before you, I'm ready for him to come back. Amen. Now, now, part of the reason I'm ready for him to come back is, is from the school of hard knocks. Instead of looking at the word like I should have, from the school of hard knocks, I've learned that getting older, as, as Daddy says, getting older isn't for sissies, okay? <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not all that's getting older. It's not all that's cut out to be, is it, Daddy? That's what he's always saying to me. It's not always, you know, things in life are not as easy today as they were uh, 30 years ago. They're, they're not as, life is, is, life is hard. Okay, life is just hard at its best. And, and I know some of the things that some of you are going through and have been through. And I know that life has been hard for you. And I want to say to you that one of the things about staying longer in this life, I think the reason you see older and older people that are not that are children of God, that are faithful to the word of God and to the church of God, that, that, that as they get towards that time of life, they're welcoming death. And I believe that's because they've figured out that there's something a whole lot better waiting for them on the other side. <clears throat> I was always of the, for a long time, Lord, just wait. <laughs> but that shouldn't be our approach. My approach is let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. My question to you tonight is are you sleeping or are you sober? Are we sleeping or are we sober? Are we, you know, sleeping Literally, in this case, means to drop off to sleep. There's another, there's another in Romans chapter um, 12, 13. He said it's high time for us to wake out of sleep. That word sleep there is the Greek word hypnos. And it sounds like hypnotism, right? In that case, that's somebody who's been hypnotized by the world and is, letting, is falling asleep. In this, case, in this case, it's somebody who's not intentionally laying down to take a nap. It's somebody who's 
drifted off to sleep. I never forget. This is something that always uh, I think about when I read something like this about C.O. Burkhalter. Uh, Y'all know that's Brother Furman's brother. He was, and, and most of you know he was a lawyer that I worked for early in my career. And, and there was a time where he was defending a guy in a worker's, he was, he was suing uh, the workers' compensation uh, insurance uh, to get, uh, in order to recover damages for somebody who got injured on the job. But the guy, it was, he had gotten injured because he fell asleep on the job. And, and CO, you know, if, if you're injured due to a voluntary act of your own, then you can't recover damages, okay? Well, CO's argument was that uh, sleep is not a voluntary act. He said it's a state that creeps upon you unawares. That's the way he put it. And so, uh, now there's a lot of truth, but you know, he got that kind of from the Bible. He's, he, he's a lot of truth to that. Tell me, tell me that you can, I, I want to talk to you all after service. I want you to tell me the exact moment you went to sleep last night. I want you to remember and tell me exactly, you know, okay, I was awake here, click, I went to sleep. You can't do it, can you? <laughs> I can't tell you, you know, I, I sometimes drift in and out of sleep, you know. Sometimes I'm dreaming, thinking I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm awake, and I, and I wake up thinking I'm dreaming, you know. I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of like that. And that's what he's saying. He says, let us not sleep. And the idea is drifting off to sleep. It's letting, you know, you're not in control. It's kind of like the the... the Description we've given many times about drifting off into sin and into complacency is like it's like getting on one of those floats at the beach and you got your tent set up here on the beach and you get out right in front of the tent and you're sitting on the float and next thing you know you look up and you think the tent has moved but it's not the tent that's moved it's you that's drifted down the beach you see and so uh, that's the way that's what he's saying here don't be like that don't don't be drifting off to sleep. He says, be watching and be sober. Being sober just literally means don't be intoxicated. Now, literally, I'm sure that has to do with substances that could affect your ability to think. You know, alcohol, drugs, whatever. But figuratively speaking here, spiritually, you don't need to be intoxicated by this world. We need to be sober, you see. We don't need to be intoxicated by the things that we see around us. Listen, I love some things in life. I, I do. I love, you know, I, I, I love going on trips. I love going to, to places like Disney World or the mountains or places like that. You know, but, but don't let things like that intoxicate you. I enjoy my job. I like what I'm doing. But, uh, but don't let your job intoxicate you. Don't be like the, the, the thorny ground Christian in Matthew chapter 13. You know, I love Matthew chapter 13's parable of the sower. And I didn't believe it this way many for, for a long time. I wasn't taught it this way coming up. But I want to tell you, beloved, that's not a description of one category of children of God and three categories that aren't. All of those categories are children of God because the seed is sown in their heart. Amen. And the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them for their spiritually discerned. The seed of the Word of God can't be sown in the heart of an unregenerate person. 
But he says the seed is sown on the wayside in some instances, and that's somebody who's going so far contrary in their lifestyle against the Word of God that they just kind of ignore the Word of God. They're still children of God, but they're not living in the way that they should. Then you've got the stony ground Christian where the seed is sown on the stony ground, and it comes up real excited. Everybody's fired up about it. They're all, all blooming and blossoming until there's persecution that comes because the earth isn't deep on that stony ground. It just kind of blows them away. They don't go to hell. They're just not experiencing the kingdom of God on earth like they should. And then finally that category of thorny grounds, which we talked about this morning as well, which is where I'm so sorry to say I have one foot in it most of the time. One foot in the thorny ground instead of being both feet in the good ground. But that thorny ground is that Christian who is who is, is, is learned in the word of God, understands the word of God, has been taught in church. And it's six o'clock. It's 6 o'clock. And I want to tell you, I'm disappointed the Lord didn't come back. But anyway, hey, 6.15. 6.15. That thorny ground Christian is distracted by the things of this earth. By the job, by recreation, by whatever it may be. It may not be necessarily a sinful thing. But it's something you invest yourself into instead of investing into the kingdom of God. You see, those things will pull you away and that will lull you to sleep when it comes to being watchful. But he says, you're not supposed to do that. He said, we are, of, we are children of the light and not of the night. He said, so don't sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, what he's saying is this. He's saying, I know, I know we just said that the Lord was coming back and pretending that he was coming back at six. But why, why, don't, we, why don't we pretend that he's coming back at 6.15? And if he doesn't at 6.15, why don't we pretend that he's coming back at 6.30? And you know the beauty of that is one day we won't be pretending. Amen. One day we won't be pretending. <clears throat> Notice what he says. He says, you watch and you make it as if the Lord is about to return. I've said this before from the pulpit. If we could live like we were 30 seconds from the resurrection, what would that change in our lives? Oh my. Wouldn't it be glorious to know that, you know, we, we're, we're praying for uh, a couple of folks that have lost loved ones this weekend, two or three people on our long prayer list that have lost loved ones this weekend. What if the Lord comes back before the funeral? <laughs> oh my, the grief and the pain that we're experiencing here will all be dissipated because I want to tell you, beloved, when the Lord, and this, he says to us here, he says, let us who are of the day, in verse 8, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. I love that. You know, the breastplate covers the heart. That's where you feel. That's where you experience emotions. And that faith and that love, I feel it in my heart. There are times I don't. But when I'm living like I should and looking at the Word of God like I should and keeping my focus where it ought to be, I'm feeling it right here. And that's the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. You know, we've said many times that our battle is not for the hearts. The Lord, the Lord won that battle on the cross. 
Our battle is for the minds of God's people. The Lord has to give God's people a new heart. He has to born them again. I can't do that. The preacher can't do that. The words that I preach can't do that. He says the hour is coming in John 5, 25. Jesus said the hour is coming and now is when they which are dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Not the voice of the preacher. Not the voice of the reading of the word. Not the reading of the words of the Son of God. But the very voice of the Son of God. I submit to you on the authority of the Word of God tonight that if you're here and you have a hope in Jesus Christ, it's because the voice of the Son of God spoke to your heart at some point in the past and caused you to live. Otherwise, you wouldn't be interested in the things that I'm... You know, a dead man's not, not active at all in the realm to which he's dead, is he? dead man's dead. <laughs> How foolish would it be for me to walk up to a, a person who's laying here a corpse in a casket at a funeral and say, hey now, come on, if you give me your hand, I'll get you up out of that casket. Y'all think I was crazy. <laughs> but that's, likewise, that's, that's something we shouldn't be uh, preaching, that, that, a, that a man who's dead spiritually can act in a spiritual fashion. Beloved, it takes, a, it takes the Holy Spirit, it takes the voice of the Son of God and I'm, I'm so thankful that it's that way because that voice is one that can get to places I can't get to. Amen. If I could preach to everybody, I would, Brother Glennon, but I, if I, can't, I can't get to all the places in this world. I, there's places I can't, I certainly can't get into the womb of a mama who, who is maybe where a child is about to be aborted or, a, or the womb of one who's miscarried. I can't get into that and preach to that one. There are those that are not able to hear. There are those that are not, not able to form thoughts in the right way. But the voice of the Son of God can reach them. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. But beloved, our battle is for the minds of those that have been quickened and made alive. And that's a great battle. You know what? He says for the, for the helmet, we should have on the hope of salvation. Now that, as we kind of bring this to a close tonight, that sort of gives us a little clue to what Paul's talking about here. He says, are you sleeping or are you sober? Now if you're sleeping, you're going to be dazzled by the things of this world maybe, but it's going to fizzle out before it's over. The prodigal son was a child of God. He was a child of his father when he left. And the prodigal son went down and wasted his inheritance. He squandered it on, with a riotous living. And after the, after the party, after the big party that he had, and it, it, as it always does, the famine comes. The famine came to him. I want to say, you young folks, just always remember, after the party, the famine is always coming. Because the world can't give you what, the, what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> He was asleep. He wasn't being sober. And he ended up in the pig pen. But you know what? If he died in the pig pen, he'd still be in heaven today. Amen. Praise God. But what we're talking about is that person who's down in the pig pen of this world. He came to himself. And he said, you know, I'm crazy. I'm, you know I'm paraphrasing this, but he said, I'm crazy. My daddy's got all kinds of good stuff in his house. And here I am in the pig pen. I'm just going to go back. His servants are better than, live better than I do. I'm just going to go back. And I'm going to just say, Father, I don't deserve to be a son. I just want to be a servant. And you know the rest of that story. <laughs> when he went back, the Lord 
his father, who's a type of the Lord, he came to him and he seized him and he took him up and he killed the fatted calf. You see, that was an example of one who was sleeping who became sober. So, beloved, what we're saying tonight is this. Romans 12, verse 1 says, uh, uh, I submit, well, let me just turn there and get it right. Uh, he says in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's saying, put into your mind the things that are in this Word of God. Put into your mind, not the things that are of this world, not, the, not all of the troubles and the trials, but in your mind, put, put in your mind the things that are heavenly because the things that are earthly are going to pass away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he, Paul, after, after giving us uh, this uh, example of all the problems he'd experienced, all the beatings he'd endured, all the troubles he'd had, he says in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction. Oh, I don't consider beating with 39 stripes a light affliction. I don't consider being lost in the, in the, in the almost uh, uh, capsized in the, uh, in, in the sea a light affliction. I don't consider being banished and beaten and, 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 and let down by uh, a rope from the out, down the wall of the city because they're trying to keep. I don't consider that a light affliction. But Paul did. And the reason he, he said it is because it's but for a moment. It worketh for us a more, far, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now why can he say that? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, this is the kind of attitude that will get you through life, child of God, where you're a pilgrim and a stranger and a sojourner. This is the kind of attitude, like he tells us in 1 Thessalonians there, put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Put on this armor because there is a hope that is greater and supersedes this world. In 1 John chapter 3, as we bring this to a close, in verse 1, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth, knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now listen to this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Don't, don't think you're going to be a son of God one day. If you're born of the Spirit, you're one of his. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is this. Don't be sleeping. Be sober. Don't worry about the times and the seasons. Don't worry about prophecies being fulfilled and that sort of thing. There's, there's interesting things in the Word of God that you can read about. Don't let that consume your life. Just always be ready. 
Just always be ready. Always be looking. And that'll change your attitude here. That'll change your approach to life. When, when, the, when the person cuts you off in traffic, when you've been waiting to get out and to pull out and they won't let you out, rather than cursing them, you'll look up in the sky and say, Lord, are you nearly here? You'll be thinking, what if the Lord... You know, think about this. And we'll, we'll bring this to a close. How embarrassing would it be if the Lord came back and you were in the middle of cussing somebody out? Think about that. Or some other sin that you can think about. Think about how embarrassing it would be. I know, I know all those sins, the Lord paid for those sins. I know that there's not going to be a remembrance of those sins by the Lord in heaven. But wouldn't you just, you know, I don't want to be going up in the, revela- in the resurrection, hanging my head. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry you caught me right here like this, you know. I don't know if you'll actually do that or not. I hope you don't. I hope it's gone like that. But wouldn't it be so much greater and so much better? And, and wouldn't you feel so much better about things if you knew you were constantly being prepared for his return by doing what he said to do? And the other thing is this. You think about the darkest day of your life. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. You think about the darkest day of your life. You think about when you were as low as you've ever been before. You think about the despair of soul that you felt. Maybe it was something that embarrassed you. Maybe it was was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was, think about the greatest sorrow you've ever experienced. Think about some of the things you may be going through now. Loved ones that are sick. Maybe you're sick. Maybe, Maybe there are more problems than that. Maybe... My grandmother always used to say that live troubles are worse than dead troubles. And she meant by that that the problems I'm dealing with in life that are still going on are lots worse than even the loss of loved ones that I've experienced. You think about that. And think about what, what a different attitude you would have had in that time if you thought the Lord were 10 minutes away from returning. You know, when I've lost loved ones, I can remember times when I've wept till I didn't think I could weep anymore. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have cried, but I'll tell you the despair I felt would have been greatly tempered by the fact that, wait a minute, I'm not even going to have to go to their funeral. I'm not even going to have to worry about calling the funeral home and taking care of things because the Lord is about to come back. Now, this is not a do-nothing attitude. This is not a go sit down on the side of the road and just wait. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He says be patient. Be patient means to keep on keeping on. But if our attitude could be such that we could constantly be expecting the Lord to come back, then you wouldn't have to worry about all these troubles of life in the way that you do. And you know, that's the whole point. He tells us in First Corinthians, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 and forward, he says, he tells us about the Lord coming back. And then he says this at the end. He says, wherefore comfort ye one another with these words. Comfort one another with this. You know, it's a, it used to be a scary thing to me, but now it's a comfort to me to think that the Lord might have come back or might be coming back in one minute. <laughs> no, he didn't. It's 6.15. But he might come back at 6.30.
what a great thing it would be if we could keep that kind of an attitude. And I'm as bad as you too. Don't, don't think I'm able to do it like you. I want you to turn to number 398, and we're going to do it. This is we're going to sing this song uh, before we actually close out the service because I want you to I want you to listen to the words. I want you to come up and lead it, Brother Austin. I want you to listen to the words of of this song, "The Child of Grace," as we think about what we've just been considering in the message. How happy is every child of grace that feels his sins forgiven? This earth, he cries, is not my place. I seek a place in heaven, a country far from mortal side. Yet, oh, by faith I see the land of rest, the saints delight, a heaven prepared for me. A stranger in this world below, I only sojourn here, nor can its happiness or woe provoke my hope or fear. Its evils in a moment end, its joys sooner pass, but oh, the bliss to which I tend eternally shall last. Let's sing this song. You don't have to stand. Just We're going to just sing it. As we as we bring this message to a close, Brother Austin, lead it for us.
We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.